it is such a powerful thing in business to be able to feel your feelings and like recognize what's going on inside you, which sounds comically simple, but but it is, especially as like a self-employed business person, to be able to tend to your needs, to treat yourself like you're not a machine and step out of that capitalist, like post-industrialist, like grind is an amazing thing to be able to bring to your business. back to Money Making Women. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to make more money without leaving their integrity behind. I'm Ray Dodd, a money coach and mentor, and my favorite thing in the world is seeing people who have either underestimated themselves or have been underestimated by society make more money. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. So I just want to say a massive welcome to Elle and I'm gonna now I'm panicking. So Elle is a client of mine and we've worked together for quite a while and she announced like a few months ago that her name's actually Ellie and I'm so confused now. <laughs> I'm going to call you Elle because you said that was okay. I will happily change it to Ellie if you would rather. It just might take me time to learn, but I can do that. It is 100% okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really happy to welcome Elle to the podcast today. We've actually been wanting to do this episode. I mean, there's a story to us getting to this episode, but I think I first mentioned it to you like in the summer of 2020. Yeah, yeah, way back. Like possibly like way, way back way when back. I first worked with you. I think yeah. it was you made a certain comment in the course and I'll join my course plenty. And I was like, oh, I want to talk about that some more. The chat has evolved from there. So it's going to be really exciting to see where we go. So Elle is a yoga teacher who believes in, you call it radical embodiment. And I'd love for you to tell us a bit about what that means in a second. And like I said, I've wanted to talk to Elle for quite a while. And I'm hoping that today we're going to dive into a few different issues from our relationship with our bodies, and how that impacts how we show up within our lives and our businesses. So the ways in which very narrow prescriptive ways of being <laughs> also impact us. <laughs> um, and the various, there's various ways that shows up. I'm doing a certification with the Feminist Coaching Academy. It's feminist theory applied to coaching, basically. Cool. And I watched this thing on their recommendation, a discussion between Laverne Cox and bell hooks which is awesome really recommend watching it yeah it was really good and there's just one bit where they're talking about the different kind of oppressive structures that impact us and bell hooks i think i'm not going to remember this right but she talks about the race the white supremacist patriarchal and then a number of other ones as well and then laverne cox added like cisgendered heteronormative i know that people who are kind of anti yeah exactly so late piles up but i think people who are a bit anti the woke stuff can be quite like, uh, it's just so complicated. Yeah, it is really, yeah, there are loads of layers. (laughs) It is really complicated. We are multifaceted beasts. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, we're going to talk around that stuff as well. Would you like to introduce yourself and could you tell us a bit about what you mean by radical embodiment? Of course, of course. So hi, yes, I am Elle and or Ellie. Both are fine. I was originally (laughs) Ellie and then I worked in fashion for a bit and decided that dropping the I would be way more stylish. So I answered both very happily. My second name is Bow Johnston, so Ellie Bow Johnston. I am a yoga teacher and embodiment coach. And my work is really informed by my own experience of my relationship to my body and learning to get comfortable in my own skin, which took an, not embarrassingly, but like a shockingly long time. Like I am in my mid to late thirties and I feel like I'm just starting to get a handle on it. So a lot of the kind of 
work that brought me to this point was centered in the practice of yoga, which of course is a South Asian practice, kind of recognizing that that is its heritage and that it wasn't invented by white women in expensive leggings. Mm -hmm. I know, shocking, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not all about handstands. My yoga teaching kind of has evolved this embodiment work, which centers around radical embodiment, which is, I mean, kind of as you you touched on in the introduction is, is really about acknowledging all of the different ways that our body intersects with the world that we live in mm. and how that that can be so insidiously kind of uh, creep in in strange little ways you don't even notice are there until you're stopping yourself from doing something or you're telling yourself you know the story of like well I can't wear that because insert whatever story has been picked up yeah. on the way and all of the the different ways that are intersecting identities Mm. kind of affect how we move through the world. Radical embodiment is really about just kind of recognizing the complexity of living in a body and having a relationship with that body and, you know, and sort of learning to listen to its, its wisdom, which is such a kind of yoga teachery thing to say, but (laughs) you know, we, the world we live in is very, patriarchally driven which often centers around like logic and and like brain thinking Um, yeah the technical term (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there are so many other centers of wisdom in our bodies and in our existences that that can take real work to kind of learn to listen to because they're a lot quieter a lot of the time yeah And I said right at the beginning, before we were like properly going into the podcast bit, I was like, I'm going to ask you about some of the like the kind of heteronormative stuff that we've talked about, but I suspect it's going to creep in and it creeps in immediately, like straight away, (laughs) because it is such a cis heteronormative way of thinking, this like brain stuff. And, And actually it's quite a... And I really like don't want to say it's male. I don't want to gender it in a way, but I think it's traditionally male. Right? I, yeah, it's patriarchal. Like it's that That's sort of like, way to put it. Yeah. yeah, like it's, it's yeah, not gendered, but it is very much part of the patriarchy. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So it is very much that really valuing the mind first, as opposed to, and obviously women have brilliant minds and men have brilliant bodies, <laughs> but it's that wisdom that's outside of the intellectual and exactly like you say it's the patriarchal stuff the way it's housed in I always think it's housed in books I think of the example I know you've heard me say this where people go oh I couldn't possibly start another podcast or another e-course but they'll say that they but if they were to say I've written a book and it got published everyone would be like that's amazing no one's going Mm. can't possibly write another book Mm. like the way that there are these approved ways of being yeah that are okay yeah. what is counted as an expert and like yes. as a valuable means yes. to be expressing yourself in the world absolutely and our bodies that's a huge part of that i'm behind you i'm sure on the journey to accepting bodies because it's not separating myself from my body as an ongoing journey mm. my refuge is my brain mm. and i think oh, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I'm doing this work because if I was left to my own devices, I would literally just like detach my head and float around in space. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like all thought. I am like all air, all thought, just like the whole time. I love hearing that from you. 
because I'm so like I like but I love my head oh yeah it has like it has amazing stuff in there but it's like yeah just like okay and and we're back in the room in the present Mm. moment because like our bodies can only exist in the present moment this is where we are and one of the you know the perils of getting stuck in that kind of like ruminating looping brain space is that you just end up off in the like in the imaginary world in the future or in the past and like kind of bringing yourself back into your body into the present can be such a powerful way to start to recognize you know a lot of the work that we've done like recognizing stories and recognizing you know like unpicking all of this stuff it takes existing in a different way and it takes existing in the now doesn't it I've done some training around trauma stuff and coaching recently and one of those things with trauma is looking at how the past is impacting you in the here and now Mm. like how are those stories actually impacting even if you you know often we don't even believe they're true anymore like in our brains Mm. but our body hasn't caught up with that Mm. yeah Um, yeah 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 and the importance of your body feeling safe Mm. to actually begin to move like let go of old stories and old traumas Mm. yes yes yeah we can tell ourselves you know you can do that sort of top down like well we don't believe this anymore like wagging your finger and sort of like giving yourself a little lecture Mm. but until you have the tools to like really recognize what's happening in your nervous system and in the you know the way it's reacting and whether you're kind of in that trauma response until you can find ways to bring yourself back into safety then that loop just keeps playing because it's how you've kept yourself safe in the past yeah and I've just had a lovely realization as you're talking (laughs) as well where I think of myself as someone who deals with brains like I'm dealing with the brains and what I love is I actually have quite a few yoga teachers in my community and I love having you there because you often process your feelings in a different way. I can see them as you're talking because we do Zoom chats, obviously, and I can see like some people kind of go, oh, oh, it's I, oh, I'm finding it in me rather than it coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's different and you can really sense it in the people with that who, who have had a practice of connecting with their bodies. Mm. But actually... What I do do in my work is we talk a lot about brains and we talk a lot about patterns of thought, which are body functions mm. and not mm. like frontal lobe, like cognitive things. They are, but they are body functions, mm. a pattern that your body is used to, which is on automatic, which is why if money's always felt a certain way to you, it will continue to feel that way. Even after, you know, that makes no sense anymore. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is again. <laughs> you know circling back to what you just said earlier like they're not exactly our brains are part of our body exactly (laughs) our brains are like part of our nervous system of course they're interlinked because they just are yeah absolutely nice okay as you've done work on your money stories and your experience of money are there any ways in which it's linked in with practice you do around embodiment and yoga is there anything surprised you or anything where you're like well of course I feel like I could do a whole podcast on like money and yoga world it's yes it's a whole thing like I found you through a fellow yoga teacher friend of mine and we've had Mm. this sort of conversation of just like oh my god I wish that we could just make everybody in the yoga world think about money because what often happens in yoga and wellness that kind of like very stereotypical like oh we don't like to talk about difficult things 
Yes. We're, we just, we're doing this because we want to be soft and nice and we don't want to <laughs> be difficult. Um, um, I love my work, but yeah, the whole yeah. industry is, is a whole different thing. Yeah. So I think one of the things that like one of, one of the places that money and yoga really overlaps is having an embodiment practice, having an understanding of how you work and how your reactions mm. feel in your body. I say you, mm. I mean me, has been immensely powerful and helpful in like doing mm. this work. If I was just coming from like mental processing, mm. I'm not sure that I would have been able to move through it in the way mm. that I have. I think it would have been a lot of cognition and a lot, not a lot of that sort of filtering down. You talked about this in, in various courses that I've done with you, but that sense of like, mm. you have the understanding in your brain but then it doesn't really drop until it moves into your body. Yeah, I always talk about it's dropping from your head to your soul, mm. but there's a moment. And sometimes you can be like, but I knew that, but now I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, with a big, like a capital K. <laughs> yeah, like all capitals. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's hit me in my soul. But yeah, it's like a real knowing thing. And what I think you can't do, I think why a practice like you offer is so useful is because it creates opportunities all the time for that drop mm. but you cannot decide when that drop's gonna happen yeah and yeah it's so annoying like I'd love to guarantee with all my courses like don't <laughs> worry it's gonna drop in and you'll be good yeah it's gonna drop in in like you know the month that we work together it'll really kick in then and like yeah. what often happens is that you know six months down the line yeah. a year down the line you're like oh yeah yeah that's what she meant <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. and even like for me with what I'm teaching like, there are new layers of it where mm. I'm like oh I see this now okay one of the things that I'll say in the course and I think what you do takes it even further because like I said I'm on my own journey with all of the body aspect of things is to create space to do things like meditate or go for walks or something that's creating space in your body and, and in your mind for this new information that's been such an important practice for me as well like or part of the practice for me is that intentional making room. Culturally, there's that story of to learn, you just need to keep thinking yes. and thinking and yes. thinking and thinking and thinking and like consuming mm. more information and just pile it all up until you have this big, powerful collection of information, but you've not actually mm. let any of it integrate. Yeah. And yeah, to create that space and that quiet in yourself, whether it's that you practice yoga or that you meditate or that you go swimming for you know an hour every other day or whatever it is it was a very literal you don't have to swim for an hour you can swim however long you want <laughs> oh I miss swimming so much <laughs> I can't explain. <laughs> making that intentional space to just yeah. be quiet and be with yourself mm. can be such a powerful place of learning to listen to the language of your body and learning yeah. to kind of let things drop in without you forcing them in like yes. that kind of like cramming them in mm. like you have to mm. study and perform yourself yeah how has unpacking the conditioning that we all go through we said right at the beginning all the different ways that we are conditioned to be this very narrow version of a human being how has unpacking that stuff given you space for new ways of thinking do you think yeah it's funny because it's one of those things that you don't notice in retrospect. I can't really remember what it felt like exactly to be me 10 years ago. Yes. Um, yeah. 
when I think back to 10 years ago, Ellie, there has been so much unpacking and mm. yeah, digging through the layers of self yeah. and, yeah. and recognizing, you know, what, what is me and what is mm. like layered on top of me. Yes. Being able to see the difference has yes. been part of that that longer journey and yeah, yeah that that gives you some space literally it feels like you know you can kind of step outside of the stories even if they're still there you can mm. kind of see them like they're on a screen and yeah. like oh yeah that's what's going on hello mm. Mm. what parts of you has it allowed you to kind of claim and own would you say i'm going to sort of come at this from a slightly different angle mm. being queer gave me a bit of a head start on this mm, yeah because like I had my my first girlfriend when I was 16 and that mm. was kind of like world cracking open moment yes. of like oh shit I'm not the thing that I thought I was oh yeah. what sorry am I allowed to swear um, yeah oh yeah, yeah. okay good <laughs> I'm presuming I was but, <laughs> but yeah like that's sort of like record scratch yeah. like wow okay there are lots of like you know there is a different mm. way that I that I can be in the world besides mm. you know the very nice middle class homogenous heterosexual families that I grew mm. up with yeah and at the time that was super stressful but yeah. you know in retrospect it's also a massive superpower that the ability to question to be like oh if yes. that's not true then what else yes. isn't true <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. who do I want to be? So I think like being queer has really informed my mm. embodiment journey and just given lots of that creative space of like, cool, we get to create ourselves. We don't have to mm. follow along in the little path that's been laid out for us. Yeah. And I don't want to minimize that journey in any way. And I don't think this comment does, but I hope not anyway. But I feel like, like it must be so interesting to like you say like crack that open and also find yourself in there in that kind of not not being what you thought you had to be or was the only option mm. and then actually finding more ease there I know that obviously it would also be coupled with lots of not ease but you know like that kind of truth of yourself mm. I guess is what I'm getting at and being like oh there's goodness here in not doing those things in terms of me showing up as me mm. yeah yeah it, it's a very powerful kind of light bulb flicking mm. on it's the sort of thing that I find comes back at certain points where you're like you know those moments and this doesn't have to be in a, in a queer life this can be in yeah. any life where you're like I'm doing a thing and you have that moment of like oh no what am I like not this this yes. is not what I want to be doing you know yeah. that sort of like Glennon Doyle like cheater moment <laughs> of like yeah. the light suddenly switches on and you're like the the power of being able to choose who you are yeah Yes. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like how some of us don't find that out till much later, I think. And I think that can be through loads of different reasons. Obviously, there's mm. many, many people who would now identify as queer that, that don't find it till later. Glenn and Doyle being a very good example of it. <laughs> I certainly think with for me, one of those things is motherhood. Mm. I didn't know I didn't have to do that, really. <laughs> and boys, if you're listening to this when you're older, I love you. <laughs> and... I think if I'd realised there were other options that I could have a full life, 
I don't know. I'm mm. glad I didn't because I got to have these two like amazing. They have lots of hair, my children. Like these really amazing. So glorious. It's so much. I just, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> these like massive mops of hair. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I didn't in a way because, you know, I wouldn't have had those two human beings. But also, yeah, I didn't know. I yeah. didn't know I could just have one kid. Are those things that you're like, ah, oh, didn't know this was an option. Mm. Yeah. I knew it was an option for other people to get not to get married, but I didn't know it was an option for me because of my very Christian upbringing. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was very controversial to be living with somebody. <laughs> that was very brave of me. The clutching of the pearls. I know. I mean, good God. It was controversial <laughs> to wear a vest where I grew up. So, you know. So in Australian, like, vest means like a waistcoat. I'm like, oh. <laughs> controversial? No, no. Well, yeah. also, what do thongs mean in Australia? Let's talk about I that. <laughs> I had a friend who they moved here thongs. and like lived in university housing and was like, oh, I've left my thongs in the room. I have to go back so I can get in the shower. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is totally off topic. My main experience was living with Australians in Christian communities when I was younger. And so the guys would be like, I'm just putting my thongs on. And we'd all be like, <laughs> either what now? <laughs> I've totally lost where I'm going now. Oh, okay. So this is one from what we've just been talking about. I am asking this question. And I clearly know that there is an overlap, but let's just pretend I don't because I want to hear your thoughts <laughs> on it. Do you think there's an overlap between the, the sort of heteronormative ways of being and thinking, and particularly being, and the way we respond to our bodies? Yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, this Tell is not me a shocking it. revelation. No. But <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still would love to yeah. hear because I don't think that's necessarily almost like an outlook or a lens people always bring to it. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot in there. So I think that if you talk about the, the way that we are taught to be in our bodies in dominant culture, yeah. and that mm. is with heteronormativity considered and also with white supremacy and, yeah. and the patriarchy and all of it, we are taught that there is a hierarchy of bodies. Yes. Sonia Renee Taylor talks about yeah, it. and that within that hierarchy of bodies, you know, there are some of us who pull the short straw. It's amazing how insidious and how detrimental that sense of your body being not right, yeah, is. I think every woman I know has an underlying sense of like something's wrong with their body yeah. and something is wrong with queer desire something is wrong with having dark skin or something is wrong mm. with all of it yeah you know we carry it around in our stories and in our bodies mm. in a way the way that we relate to our bodies to start to step out of that whether it's through feminism whether it's through cognitively recognizing that these are stories that you've been given or whether yeah. it's kind of a more sort of bottom-up like embodied approach of feeling your way into your body and learning to trust mm. it mm. yeah that is such a powerful way to start to mm. unlearn those stories and mm. start to dismantle that hierarchy so that it's not that you can only be powerful if you're a white man you yeah. can only you know find pleasure if you are a straight married couple that's not the only way to be i think they might find the least pleasure i'm i'm really <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> sucks to be you (laughs) i mean all all the power aside you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i was gonna say (laughs) it's a little bit of a (laughs) 
<laughs> there's some benefits i guess yeah i mean i suppose <laughs> i suppose if you like that kind of thing um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like i've kind of meandered away from the question and slightly forgotten what it was no, that's an amazing answer All right, and cool. it's also it's interesting isn't it like and i am joking about straight couples probably having the worst <laughs> sex and again tell me if i'm being like a problematic white cis petro lady here but there's not been the same need to internally investigate your desires i guess mm. Exactly. It's given to you. Exactly. And like even questioning. Even with like, you know, the sort of modern and it's been a while since I've been part of straight culture, but like, you know, the the modern like Cosmo will tell you how many orgasms you should be having rather than like the actual it's always like playing a role. It's always like how how do I perform sexuality rather than like what do I actually want? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when I was a teenager in those sorts of magazines, there'd be stuff about how you shouldn't fake an orgasm, but also how you could do it really convincingly. <laughs> how fucked up is that? <laughs> Ways to sit so that it was the most flattering. Things like that, like where you're just like, that is so deeply problematic because mm. and I love that we're talking about good sex. Oh my God, dad, if you're listening, <laughs> stop. Does <laughs> your whole family listen to this podcast? I don't know. This is always my fear. I don't know. I know they've listened to some of them and I'm always like, well, like just, I should have a like family warning on all of them. <laughs> I'll just put it on all of them. But also like that feeling, like if you're going to have good sex, you cannot be constantly concerned with what you look like in that moment. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. The external eye, whether it's like the male gaze, the internalised male gaze, the internalised... <laughs> exactly. Kind of, it's, yeah. it's so messed up. But yeah, to find ways to unlearn that, to like start to actually just be in your body. And to yes. not care what it looks like from the outside. Yes. Yeah. It's such a lot of work. It's just ridiculous how much it takes to unlearn that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what do you think the impact of unlearning that stuff has on money making, on our <laughs> ability to do our business? <laughs> Let's go back in. to like, you know, the actual purpose of the podcast. <laughs> Rather than just talking about like Cosmo sex quizzes. Honestly, it is such a powerful thing in business to be able to Mm. feel your feelings and Mm. like recognize what's going on inside you which sounds comically simple but but it is especially as like a self-employed business person to be able to tend to your needs to treat yourself like you're not a machine and step Mm. out of that capitalist like post-industrialist like grind is an amazing thing to be able to bring to your business yeah yeah Yeah. And for me, this is really, I think, one of the main places what we do kind of connects. I messaged Ellen was like, is there anything you want to talk about? And you talked about a Venn diagram of where our stuff overlaps. And for me, this is like the bit, I don't know what you call it in a Venn diagram, the juicy middle middle of the Venn diagram. But it's really around like when you're able to connect with your body and know what you need in a moment, but you also need to be able to not be in a panic survival state around money. Mm. Because when you're in that panic survival state and it can look all kinds of ways, a panic survival state around money can look like just scraping by and it can look like making millions every year or month or whatever. It can look like both. Mm. And being able to go, I'm safe here or I'm okay with this amount. This is enough for me. I can step out or just rest. I can Mm. take the break off is so important. But often we don't know. We don't know when we need to stop. Like we're so numb to it. Yeah, we are not engaging with our bodies at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And down that road leads 
to burnout, I yeah. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, I think it leads to burnout and I think it leads to treating people badly as mm. well. I think there's a piece in it around that as well. I think it, it leads to, if you can't recognize it in yourself, are you going to recognize it in your team? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that kind of creeping toxic workplace we think that toxic workplace applies only to corporate culture yeah until you can treat yourself like a human you can't treat your employees like humans or your contractors or anyone yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. so do you have any tips or suggestions gentle things people can do to start connecting with their bodies more you know like I did when my therapist said to me do you trust your body and I was like I don't understand the question (laughs) yeah does not compute what It's a thing that I use to drive my head around. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't know. I'm I'm still here, I guess so. I don't know. So yeah, do you have any suggestions for people that maybe need to be kind of finding that connection more for themselves? I very, very much do. And I love... I love these really small things like Mm. this is you know when I work one-to-one with people I will give them kind of like stuff to keep them engaging with throughout the time together and so often it isn't like you know do an hour of yoga every day it's like stop take a breath notice where your bum is connecting to your seat like cool look you have a body literally Mm. it doesn't have to be long 30 seconds to a minute of slowing down, maybe closing your eyes or just like unfocusing your gaze and taking a few slow breaths, Mm. feeling into that interior landscape of your body, like the sensations Mm. that you can feel, the movement that you can feel, you know, whether there are places that feel really comfortable, really settled, or perhaps our brains are very wired to notice the unpleasant what probably Mm. comes up is like oh that place is slightly uncomfortable oh that place is in pain but I think it's very helpful to notice both yeah there'll be places that spring to your awareness immediately like oh that hurts Mm. a little bit but there'll Mm. also be like can you seek out pleasure in your body Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. I love that and one more question what do you wish everyone understood about rest Ah, I love rest so much I just did a whole workshop on rest this weekend (laughs) yeah that's what made me think of it what do I wish everyone understood about rest that it's necessary Mm. that it's not something you need to earn yeah and that it can look lots of different ways so sometimes what is restful will be watching a couple of hours of Netflix. Neighbours, neighbours. Watching neighbours. I know you love (laughs) neighbours. That's it. (laughs) The difficult thing with rest is that there's this sort of like hazy line between actually restful and dissociative or like distracting yourself. A lot of my my work kind of rolls around in the nuance of everything. Mm. That is one of the nuances of rest. Yeah, sometimes you'll need something that is really physically restful. Sometimes mm. you'll need something that is mentally restful, like you're sort of emotionally restful. Like watching mm. Disney films for me is like deeply like emotionally restful. Yeah, yeah, I hear that like, and not to bang on about Neighbours, but that's what Neighbours is for me. Because yeah. if I, I'm really aware that if I go and watch something on Netflix, it's often more dissociative, it's mm. more numbing. Whereas neighbors, because I know the characters, because it's terrible, <laughs> nothing like that jolting happens. It's a very different thing to me. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's like a hug. 
Yeah, exactly. You're just like, oh, hi. I haven't watched Neighbours in years. I'm like, hi, Carl. Is Carl still yeah. there? Yeah, Carl, okay, Susan, Toadie. Susan. Susan, right. Toadie's still there. Oh, God. Yeah. Paul Robinson, bit of a problem, but yeah. <laughs> Problematic it's, fave. It's, yeah, <laughs> I've watched it since I was really young. It's a very different thing. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because you check in with your body about the difference. Mm. Like it does feel different. If I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, I'm hiding. Yeah. After yeah. you've done it, do you feel restful or do you feel that sort of sense exactly. of like my brain is moving too fast and my skin is a little bit too yeah. tight? Yeah. yeah. Or like, oh, I haven't dealt with the thing I came in with this, yeah. which is often what happens. Like, oh, still feel anxious. Back to it. Back to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Let's do the quick fire round. All right. So the first question, finish this sentence. Money is glorious and challenging. Yes, love that. Favourite book you've read recently, and this can be anything. It doesn't have to be a business book or anything. It could be non-fiction, whatever. All right. I'm reading a book called Entangled Life, which is Ooh. all about fungus. Don't get me started on fungi. I am, like, really into it. <laughs> yeah, fungus is just this amazing interconnected form of life that is a beautiful metaphor for the fact that everything is interconnected. Okay. Now finish this sentence. The impact of women making money is? World changing. Yes, it is. Slight change, of course. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life and it can be a dish, what would it be? I have such a sweet tooth. The first thing that came to mind was donuts and black coffee. Nice. Oh, I mean, not the coffee, but the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, best bit of money or business advice you've ever received that you can remember? Oh, God. Oh, there's there's a lot in there. I think there was something probably in like in plenty in the first time that I worked with you about the importance of being or what was it like audaciously satisfied? Yeah, like women going around just wanting to obnoxiously, obnoxiously obnoxiously satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that sort of that sense. And that's something that I've, I've been really trying to embody in my own business is like, yeah, just unapologetically yeah. going for the things that that make me happy. Like, what would it look like for a, like even I think about this with every course, like if 30 women who did the course, 50 women that did the course just got like started, walked out of it pursuing obnoxious satisfaction. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's how I feel about like a lot of the people I work with as well. I'm just like, yeah. what would it be like if you yeah. could just really feel comfortable in your skin? Like imagine huge. all of the things that would be yeah. possible for people. Yeah, that would be available to them and the people that, that came into contact with them as well. Yeah. It's enormous. Well, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for coming and doing this with me. Can you let people know where they can find you? And is there anything that you are offering soon that people might want to know about? Yes. Okay. So you are probably best to join my newsletter list, to be honest. I have a rocky relationship with Instagram, but you can find me there as well. So you can join my newsletter via my website, which is anotherpractice.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at an underscore other practice. If you would like to work with me, then I would love to work with you, I'm sure, uh, because I feel like Ray's audience and mine overlap a lot yeah at the moment I'm I'm taking one-to-one -one clients for sort of spring summer intake so mm. it's a really deep dive into and personalized deep dive into like what you need how do you need to learn how to live in your body what do you need to unlearn and nice. how can we work on that together I love that nice cool mm. well thank you very much Bye. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks so much Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Making Women. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd share about it on Instagram or if you could kindly leave a review. Both of those things are really amazing ways to support what we're talking about here. And you can, of course, find me on Instagram. I'm Ray underscore Dodd. And also in my free Facebook group, which is called Money Making Women. I'll see you next time. (laughs) 